Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Daniela Couillé. And our two experts today for the full hour joining me via Skype is Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Welcome, Claude. Great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. And very lovely to have Luke Winchester of Merriweather Capital here with me in the studio. Luke, thank you so much for coming in. Now, let's jump straight into it. And the five stocks picked by you today are Cirrus Networks, TPC Consolidated, Abacus Group, Volpara and Prophecy International. But before we get to those, stock of the day is Core Lithium and Core Lithium shares were soaring at at the back of its first half full year profit as a lithium producer in the small cap land. And the company made revenue of 50 spots, $6 million and a net profit after tax just shy of 11 million. Looking ahead to 2024, Core Lithium is projecting the sale of 90 to 100,000 tonnes of spodumene concentrate, a key lithium source for batteries. So, Claude, I know resources are not necessarily your cup of the day, but what is your take on core lithium? Well, admittedly, I can't give you an expert opinion on their resource or or mining strategies, but I can uh, bring my, I guess, knowledge of how small caps work and the sociology of the market trends uh, to bear on core lithium. So the things I looked at, are, of course, you know, the general thematics, obviously lithium has been in a a lot of them have been in a bear market lately. Uh, Long term, you would say lithium still a thing, but there was obviously a price spike that was unsustainable. Um, Of course, this is a mining company, so going to be really hard to predict all of the uh, profit ups and downs. It'll depend on factors outside of their control being the price of lithium. Uh, however, we do have, you know, at least three brokers all projecting that this will remain a profitable company. Uh, so I would say that puts it in the realm of maybe the kind of space you would want to play in uh, if you were going to speculate on mining companies. So that's interesting. Another factor is uh, basically that there's quite a lot of short interest in this and that we may be seeing some short covering today. So I'd say that also is good in the short term in terms of making me kind of bullish on the stock. So I don't know if I could legitimately say buy on uh, uh, such a high risk mining company that's outside my areas of expertise. But I would say that, you know, a lot of the heuristics look positive uh, for Core Lithium in the next little while. Uh, so if you owned it, a happy, a happy hold, given that it has come down a lot? Yeah, I think if I owned it now, I think perhaps you might have been through the worst. I uh, couldn't guarantee that, of course. But I think, you know, the outlook is definitely improved if, if you just see that this company gradually advancing with its plans to become sustainable. So that's a big factor. And yeah, just generally, I guess it's still a lithium speculation. It could go up or down based on factors outside of its control. Okay, Luke. 
Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think you've probably been through the worst of it as a shareholder. We saw the chart just before, longer term as a, you know, the 22% in the context of the longer term chart was just a little blip. Um, but they've made that difficult transition from explorer to producer. Um, and I think part of the reason why the chart looked like that was, um, you know, there were some additional costs and, and, and whatnot in, you know, some, some hiccups in that journey. Um, but you're through that now. You're producing lithium, you're selling it, making a profit. Um, if you're a holder, of course, you keep holding. You've now, um, you're seeing what you want the business to achieve. Um, the note I jotted down, and, and Claude probably touched on it, which I didn't realise, um, I couldn't actually see why the price had spiked so much mm. because given they do quarterly reports, you can mm. sort of know what the, the, the annual results will look like. Um, but they maintained their FY24 production guidance. So I suspect maybe some shorts were there thinking that, that was a little bit lofty and the company may have to downgrade. Um, they've maintained that, had a, a nice price uh, uh, spike on the price. Um, and yeah, I think you've been through the worst as, as someone holding the stock if you've held it for the last couple of years. I, I don't know enough about it to, for someone on the sidelines whether you should come in and buy it today. But yeah, I think for the purpose of the program, it's a pretty happy hold, yeah. A happy hold, okay. Let's move right along and get to the first stock of the day picked by Ella and it is Cirrus Networks, Networks ticker code CNW. Claude, I had a look at this one, $55 million market cap. So definitely is in the micro cap space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely right where I like to play, at least with some of my portfolio, not all of it. I think if you look up um, Cirrus Networks, I'm sure that I've talked about it uh, on, on um, the small caps at some point in the past. I own shares in this, but I have recently uh, sold about a third of my holding. Now, the reason for that is that uh, this is a pretty undervalued managed services IT company. So, you know, a government departments or a big company needs some sort of, you know, network upgrade or uh, some sort of new platform working with Microsoft a lot. They're going to go, come in there and um, sell the products to you and uh, basically give you a managed service. So there is an ongoing element to it, although not all of its business is recurring in nature. And it was just a cheap PE multiple, you know. I think I published an article about it asking if it was undervalued or underrated or something. I can't remember, around 3.5 cents. It stayed there for ages, as you can see in that chart, uh, just doing nothing. And then eventually there was a takeover offer. Another company, Atura, um, ticker ATA, is offered to take it over. That bid uh, got pushed up probably thanks to maybe Mike Carlos Gill. I don't know, I've, I've heard he is a big holder and pushed for a higher price. So um, our shareholders all benefited from uh, Mr. Micro Equities there. And uh, we got an even higher price offer. Uh, it's trading a bit below that now. So the offer, I think 6.3 cents. Um, you can get a mixture of cash or Atura shares. So how you value it is a little bit up for debate, but approximately worth uh, 6.3 cents. It's trading at 6.1 cents. I just took a little bit off the table. Uh, I'm probably just going to let the rest ride now and see what happens. Okay. And at some point, I'll, I'll probably, you know, I might, it might be the end of the thesis, you know, I'm not buying now, put it that way. Okay. But I, it's, it would be too harsh to call it a sell. I, I just took some profits. Okay. So again, a hold on that one, Claude? Yeah, I think overall okay. hold, I hold the majority of my original position. Okay, Luke. Um, Claude summed it up really well. He obviously owns a stock and has covered it a bit. Um, I agree with everything he said. You've got a takeover, takeover offer there. So it's more thinking through the the strategy of that and the, the you, you know, the way the market values it vary to the bid and can another bid come in over the top. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I would add um, to that point is this is a space where 
it is acquisitive and there's a mm-hmm. lot of larger businesses looking to acquire these smaller businesses. Um, only last year there was a listed business called MOQ, which I think had three or four bids um, until it was eventually taken out. Um, one of those was Atura and the other party was a private business called Brennan IT. Um, they're looking to list next year, Brennan IT. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're sniffing around and you know potentially make an acquisition before that listing, make the numbers look good. Um, so I think Claude's playing it right. You, you maybe take a little bit off the top, you've had a nice um, nice spike in the price, but Atura has already raised their bid once. It wouldn't surprise me if someone else is sniffing around. Um, and that valuation may just shift a little bit here because of the script component. But I wouldn't I wouldn't buy the stock unless you're someone who is confident in playing these sorts of merger arbitrage or, or takeover type plays. But if you are there, don't rush and sell all your holdings just yeah. yet because there is a fair chance you may get a little bit extra. Fair enough. Okay, let's move to the second stock picked by Timothy and it is TPC Consolidated and that's ticker code TPC. And uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Claude, you are one of a few people that have been following this stock. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty funny when you get uh, someone asks me a question on BHP and I look in my notes, I find nothing and I I put in (laughs) TPC and oh, here we go all the way back to 2013 when this was a a telecommunications reselling company. Now they've actually transitioned the business since since then more recently. Uh, They're out of the telecommunications game now and into energy retailing. So their brand is uh, Coval-U or Coval. I'm not quite sure how you say it. However, um, I think that the deals look pretty decent given that they uh, have done well on productreview.com.au. So uh, overall, uh, nothing against their operating business. Reselling, re- energy reseller is not the sexiest space, but, and also it's very hard to judge this on profits because they have their normal profits. Plus on top of that, they have all of these hedging gains and losses. So it's kind of difficult to understand the true earnings power of the business. So for the purposes of understanding whether there's an opportunity here, I probably look at more, uh, through the prism of uh, a management or a, a bit, a bet on the jockey. So you have uh, the CEO, I think, Huang um, Kao Heng or something. I'm not quite sure exactly the pronunciation, but he owns 4.46 million shares out of 11.34 million shares. And the company is buying back shares at the moment. So I see that as a way of him sort of buying more shares as he increases his holding in the company. Uh, the actual uh, profit and cash flow were both good in this year. As I said, could be pretty volatile given uh, the, you know, you've also got the massive impact of uh, derivative hedging for their power contracts and all that kind of stuff. These kind of businesses totally can blow up. So on financials, I would not be solid or uh, happy about it. But as a jockey bet, I actually quite like this. And look, I would say for most people, don't go anywhere near this kind of company. It's a kind of business where you can easily buy shares, get completely stuck stuck in it. And um yeah, so generally most people should not be playing in this area of the market at all uh, because it's quite a liquid and small company. But you know, overall, as a jockey bet, I have to say I lean positive on this. I don't own shares myself, but I guess you could call it a, a speculative tiny uh, bet on the jockey there. 
Okay, a spec, a spec buy or a jockey bet. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one. Luke, are you, are you going to jump on the horse's back for a jockey uh, bet on this one? I, I've owned this in the past. Yeah. Um, so Tim, who wrote in, he's got the only panel who, as Claude said, probably <laughs> know this stock. We give you a much worse outlook on BHP than what we were for TPC. <laughs> Um, he's actually spot on though, Claude. Like this is really a bet on management. And um, you know, catching the train down today, I, I brought up the annual report um, and you read the report from management and you just get that vibe that it's an, an owner operator. They know this business well, they know this industry well. They're not gonna get aggressive with the way they run this business. And that's so important because this is an exceptionally volatile business mm. and industry. Um, so to Claude's point, it's energy retailing. But the reason why we don't really know their brands is it's all focused on small business. Um, um, it's not it's not right. consumer household energy retailing um, and you know as Claude points out the reported financials are, are extremely volatile for, for two reasons one is the the hedging and the derivatives that they they use and they can make a profit or a loss on on uh, what they take uh, put in place to, to try and manage wholesale energy prices um, but they can also um, benefit or, or lose from the, the, the moves in those mm. wholesale energy prices if they are vol volatile. It just takes them a while to pass on increases to customers and you know it has been um, a, a real uh, topic of interest the last couple of years as um, you know we've shut down coal-powered plants and, and gone to renewable energies. It, it is very very volatile um, but I agree with Claude. I think you know you've got a business and, and I'd previously sold this business on one of those good years because sort of aware that you can have a good year and then a poor year but to take a longer term outlook and we had the five-year chart up before it's done really well uh, because i think you've got a management team in the background that really understands the, the industry they're in and they're not trying to swing it out of the park every single year it's about building the business for the longer term and um you know there'll be competitors that certainly go under in tough times and these guys will just gain market share so for the program, it's very hard, like, because mm. it's, it's a tiny, it's extremely liquid, it's very tiny. Um, if you hold this stock, yeah. you know what you hold and you've, you've worked hard to get it. I, you know, hold on to this business, bet the jockey. Um, I agree with Claude, if you're a super specy investor like us in the, in the micro cap space, this is the sort of business to chuck on your watch list and, and you do get, you know, 20, 30% pullbacks quite easily just on liquidity. And you can maybe um, just sort of enter into a small position and look to build it up over time. But um, one of the, the better run businesses um, in, in the micro cap space. Is it purely just the margins that they're trying to generate off um, this, you know, as a, a retailer of mm. energy? Or is it also growing the number of businesses? It's it's a combination. Both. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. obviously you want to grow your customer base over time, but, but importantly, and where those financials really fluctuate is, is, the, is the margins that yeah. you're able to attract. And they had a, a cracking FY23. Like if you look at the numbers, if you were to run a scan, this trades on three to four times earnings. Yeah. Because it had a, a cracking FY23. But even in the even in the report, as you read it, they're very clear that it is volatile. Next year probably won't be as good. Yeah, where does it pull back to? It's hard to say. Um, but that long-term vision is always there from management, which you love to see. Okay, let's move on to the third stock pick, picked by Matty, and it is Abacus Group, ABG. So I'm moving over to storage, if my memory serves me correctly, Claude. Yeah, so I think that there's a, a few different uh, parts going on here. So Abacus Group uh, is a company that does have interest in uh, self-storage. I think the Storage King brand is the one there, although there is another uh, sort of demerged company uh, uh, sort of that they have a 20% holding in ASK, which is another listed company, and that's more the storage company 
if you if that's what you're looking for. And, and to be fair, I would probably prefer that from Abacus Group, uh, definitely, even though it has probably a slightly lower projected yield. I don't mind the Abacus Storage King, King business, that's ASK, but Abacus Group has an interest in that. Uh, they have, I think, a 19.9% ownership. They have they've, um, got a, a variety of different trusts, Abacus Trust, Abacus Income Trust, Abacus Group Projects Limited, Abacus group holdings and the, it's it's a bit of a network there of different investments that includes a lot of office stuff uh which is why i would not be that keen on abacus group for example from memory i think that the office leasing of their sort of subsidiary office uh funds they uh have 10 percent coming up for renewal in fy 2024 16 percent in fy 2025 and i am not bullish an office space company at the moment, because I think an easy way for a lot of companies to save money is to cut down on office space. Nobody's saying that offices will disappear completely. It's just obviously they don't need to be as big as they were before. So I think uh, for that reason, I would not be keen on this one, even though it does have quite a high forecast yield. I think it was from memory, eight cents. Mm. So a pretty high percent there, but uh, I still wouldn't like it. So not for me. Uh, I'd sell it. And I'd, look, if you wanted storage, I'd be more interested in that. But these guys, no, no thanks. Okay, fair enough. Maybe that 8% yield, Luke, is a bit of a value trap. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so they spun off the Storage King business not too long ago. You see it in the chart. That big drop was ASK coming out as a separate oh. listed entity. Um, so it's a classic example of the market probably putting pressure on this business to get the good asset out of it. You know, mm -hmm. the, the market wanted yep. the storage business. We don't really want the rest. Um, you're left with, as Claude points out, mostly office and a bit of um, a bit of retail. Probably the two sectors of property the market's least interested in right now. <laughs> um, and so it's no surprise to me that um, Abacus Storage King has floated and compared to a lot of the other um, REITs and property space holding up quite well, whereas Abacus is, is you know, languishing a bit particularly from the point of view of, um, you know, they have $2 worth of net tangible assets compared to a dollar um, share price today. So the market's sort of thrown this in the bin. Normally I would really get interested in opportunities like that. Whenever you see the market sort of um, almost throw something out with without regard, you know, because it sort of, it got the storage bit that it wanted. Um, it creates good opportunities, but I, I actually agree with Claude. I just, I really struggle to, to, to map out the next few sort of medium, longer term for these businesses. Um, and to your point, Danny, like you're getting a good yield right now, but it's where does that go in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I struggle to see it growing. Um, so eight and a half is nice from that point of view, but I think it's more likely that declines over time at a, at a um, cents per share level. And it depends on what the share price does as well. So. Look, I think if you are there, if you were in Abacus and you've now got your split out and what do you do with your Abacus group holding, I would probably continue to hold if you're that sort of investor who's been there because you're there for the yield and the safety. Um, I do think that the NTA is probably a bit inflated, but certainly not 50% you know, discount sort of yeah. uh, range. Um, and you do have a high enough yield to, to, to sort of justify holding it for the next year or two. But I think you'd watch it closely, watch those releasing spreads and things like that, and, and just keep an eye on what the market it's doing. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I want I want to like it, but just in that space. I mean, that's the reason. Right? I can tell you're trying really yeah, hard to like yeah. it. Well, it's it's hard because normally these these ugly areas of the market, like the the reason why the opportunities are created, because yeah. no one wants to like it, and and you try to be the contrarian, but it's hard. It's hard. I guess to there's do. a lot of choice though. If you wanted to go into office and retail, mm. there's a lot of REITs under pressure at the moment. Yeah. So it becomes a question of okay, if it, if you're looking for a um, you know, bagging a bargain in that sector. Mm. There are probably others out there. You're right. It comes down to relative valuation yeah. as well, not just um, on its own merits. So, uh, yeah, like Dexas, we, that was one a few weeks yeah. ago, which trades exceptionally cheap. Charter Hall, Long Way, yes. was very cheap. So, you're right. There's there's plenty of choice in that space if you are trying to be contrarian and, and bottom fish for some of these names. So, yes, you're... I'd hold it. I'd hold yeah, it. Hold. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Knowing the type of investor. Like, if you're an investor who wants capital growth, I think you exit. But if you're a more conservative investor who's happy for yield, 8.5% is good enough to hold for now. Okay, fair enough. Now, Volpara, ticker code VHT, is the fourth stock picked by Connor. And I know, Claude, you are super keen to chat about Volpara. Uh, yeah, I do. I do really like Polpar. It's a company that I have followed for a long time since it listed. Uh, it's had a, it's had its ups and downs over the years. The broad strokes here is that it listed as a very small company with this breast density software that allowed uh, clinicians to figure out more accurately the risk that a certain woman would develop breast cancer, which then allows better screening for those people who are at higher risk and obviously does translate directly into early intervention in some people that have breast cancer and then actually just saves lives. And they're often, you know, mothers, not that I think all lives have value, but often, you know, breast cancer does hit people who are also looking after small children as well. So absolute win for society there. Um, and look, they've amazingly developed it right in front of our very faces as a listed entity. And they're, and you know, they've now got um, tens of millions of dollars in revenue and, you know, basically what has happened is they've spent a lot of money losing a lot of money in order to get to that point. And in the last year or so, uh, they've finally bit the bullet and admitted that they should probably try and get profitable and sustainable. And they did have to let a fair few people grow, massively uh, cut their costs, get themselves to be a sustainable company. And originally, I think they were targeting sometimes uh, basically a cash flow positive years in in fy 2025 and now they're actually targeting that in fy 2024 so the good news is like this is uh definitely yielding results they are definitely going in the in the right direction they did definitely uh sell you know a, a pointless interest in the distraction lung scanning space and or not sell but cash out which is which is good for their cash as well they've reduced their uh debt facility so that saves on costs uh, for a debt facility that they have no intention of using. Just great uh, discipline improving the prospects of the company. Of course, meanwhile, the share price is absolutely languishing. Um, and, and I don't hold in shares basically because you, you have this trap when you cut spending. Do you also see a reduction in growth? And that is what they have seen. So that's why the market's marking them down now, even though they're making such great progress towards being a sustainable company. So uh, that explains the current situation. I do actually think there is probably a bit of an opportunity in, in Volpara. Now, it's not one I owe myself, but it is one that is on my watch list that I have been considering strongly. One of the things that has kept me out of it for now is I'm a bit cranky that um, they they had this graph that they had for years, which was a really useful graph, which was net operating cash um, outflow plus uh, the investing cash outflow, which really tracked 
you know, their underlying free cash flow over time. And of course, that number is always a little bit worse than just the net operating cash outflow. And in the last quarterly, they replaced that graph with the um, slightly better uh, net operating cash outflow graph. But it's obviously not like apples with apples. Um, so with a, in, if you consider net operating and investing out um, cash outflow, then they were a little bit negative. Um, then in that last quarter, about 500k uh, cash burn, but they have, I think, over 10 million. So that's not really that much of a problem. They are for, they are um, forecasting an improvement this year. So overall, uh, just watch out for you know the old changing the graph between quarterlies. But other than that, um, I do quite like this. I, I'm surprised I did that. Actually, I have a lot of admiration from the CFO. I'm surprised that he uh, that, that he let that happen, but. Uh, there we are. There we have it. I still quite like the company. I think they good, do good work and, and maybe hope to add it to my portfolio sometime. So how does it kind of fit into the, would it be sort of a, a, a speculative buy clause? Well, it or? is. I think, yeah, I guess speculative buy. Like it's bouncing around at the moment. Obviously, we've got a bit of risk off sentiment in the last few days. Uh, but overall, I would say kind of a speculative buy. That chart doesn't look great. So, you know, <laughs> You, hold, you might have to hold on for a bumpy ride, uh, but I do actually overall think that in the end, uh, I would I would still trust these guys to, to do well and keep building the business because that's what have they've done for a very long time. Okay, Luke. Um, I think it's a spec buy as well. Um, you've got to take a longer term view with it because Claude's right, we're in a tough environment for these sorts of businesses until they've really proven that they're through that inflection point and you know profitably and, and sustainably growing. Um, but I agree with Claude, I just I really like what management's done over probably the past year or so. Um, so a, a bit of extra context is this business was previously run by its founder um, and he was very much product focused, mm-hmm. um, which is fantastic. Like when you're, when you're starting up a business, you want to make sure you've got the best in class product. Um, that obviously resonated as Claude pointed out, um, just the, how quickly they were able to, to get into that niche and, and dominate it. Um, but it became clear that it needed somebody else to mm. take over, someone more operational focused, financial focused. And that's what they found in the new CEO, Terry Thomas. Um, and I've seen her present probably four or five times now. Um, and her messaging is always very clear. Um, the strategy is always very clear. Um, she's tweaked that a little bit where they're focused now on what they call elephant contracts, being they want to win yeah, big, big stuff. Yeah. That lengthens that sales cycle a little bit, takes a bit longer to win those guys. But when you do, it obviously you know comes through larger and more profitably. Um, and as Claude points out, the the trajectory on that cash burn, I, I noted the same thing Claude did, is the it's, it's operating cash has a little bit of um, R&D below that. I always say it now. Every time I talk about Volpira from now until forever, like that's what you get. <laughs> Look up the Barbara Streisand effect, guys. Come on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but they've made a good trajectory there and, and there's plenty of cash in the bank. Um, they've guided to being operational cash flow positive in FY24. Agree with Claude, there'll be a little bit of free cash burn under there, but but more than enough cash in the bank to get them through. Um, and I think we're past the days of ARR multiples on the market, yeah, but yeah. nonetheless, five times in this healthcare SaaS is, is pretty reasonable. So I think it is a spec buy, but again, that, that speculation comes in knowing micro cap, tough market for these sorts of businesses. Yeah. But again, they, they dominate this niche they're in. They, they probably have to prove they can um, expand a little bit out of it, but the average revenue per account continues to go up, um, The financially and operationally moving in the right direction. So as long as you see Terry continue to, to execute yep. on that plan, I, I think you can keep holding it and, and speculative buy it. 
Okay, cool. Now let's move to Prophecy International, ticker code PRO, the fifth stock picked by Ravi. Claude, Prophecy, uh, I believe about a $44 million market cap software company, if my little bit of research yeah, served me correctly. Yeah, so this is another one that I'm sure that both Luke and I have followed over the long term. And it's one we've covered, I've covered from time to time. And I'm pretty sure that Luke uh, has been uh, maybe more bullish on it than me recently. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. Uh, the story here is that they have two main operating uh, businesses at, at the moment. Is One is this Snare product, which is like a logging uh, product. And they're kind of gradually moving that to a recurring revenue style business, which does uh, generally uh, does sometimes create a bit of an opportunity because the effect of that is you have less revenue in year one, but you sort of, uh, once you transition everyone to that more recurring business, then revenue growth can return and, and look a little bit stronger. The other uh, business is the Emite business or the other business that matters. They they have some um, legacy stuff that's sort of gradually yeah, becoming relevant. But the what matters is the Emite one, which is call center software. And uh, look, I'm I don't it's, it seems like it's a strange little spot of the market. I don't understand it uh, super well. It, it seems to me like call center software would be a pretty uh, competitive space. Uh, but at the same time, it, it is business to business style stuff. So uh, look, they are growing their ARR. They, are, they had a net profit. Um, I'll, I'll let Luke delve into the valuation a little bit more. Overall, I would say probably hold or, or maybe again, speculative buy, but it's not one that I owe myself. I've never been fully com um, comfortable with it because I, I don't really know what story I'm supposed to be buying here. Uh, it's a bit of a strange business combining like two quite unrelated software companies in there. So uh, not not the not one that I'm like buying on an on a revenue multiple, but I maybe could end up being late to this party because it's quite possible that this thing uh, is profitable in the next year. And I guess I'm keen to hear what Luke thinks about that because uh, once you start buying this on a profit multiple, it, it probably gets more interesting to me. Uh, right. But for now, I'd say hold. Okay, Luke. Um, yeah, so I, I own it with Meriwether Capital. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've actually written a blog about it on the website. Um, so I encourage people if they want to know more, jump on and, and have a read. Um, Claude's right though. So the main point that I wanted to bring out is they're going through that shift from license-based revenue to recurring. Um, and you know, last year recurring revenue was about 32% of their revenue and, and in FY23 it was 63%. So they're largely through that shift mm -hmm. and we've seen it with stocks like Objective Corp, RPM Global, Technology One, yeah. um, that when you get through that shift, and, and as Claude points out, the, the, the incremental growth then starts to just compound on the, on the existing base, um, and scale can actually come through quite quickly. And so I think prophecy should be at that point to, 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 to what Claude was saying, and, and I know he sort of threw it back onto me, but they're at a level, level now with 20 mil revenue. They should be starting to scale quite nicely. Um, they've guided to being EBITDA break-even in FY24. Um, normally, you know, that's a sort of metric I'm not a fan of, but these guys don't expense any R&D, so EBITDA is actually a pretty clean metric for these mm -hmm. guys. Um, and so that's the big focus for me because I agree with Claude. I think the fact that the, the software is in these 
tough niches to mm. understand in, in mm. the business to business space. It's hard for the market to get excited about the ARR growth and price it on a revenue multiple. So this is a business that needs to, to show it's it's profitable and, and, and earn its its valuation on a profitability level. But you know, like I said, I own it and I'm confident that that will happen. Um, and it's just about now getting through that accounting transition and seeing right. that recurring revenue base really start to build. So it's it's a it's a buy for me again, probably speculative just given the size and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, but share price around sixty cents. I've I've bought around these levels, um, not not so much recently, but in the past. Um, and the business has only continued to execute to to, to what I was sort of expecting. Um, and yeah, I think FY twenty four will be one of those. Um, you know, really important years for them because they've sort of set that revenue platform the yep. last couple of years, and now you want to really see them scale and get that profitability coming through. So, um, yeah, buy, buy for me. Okay, excellent. Now let's sum up the stock of the day, which is Core Lithium, and really interesting here. So, here's a company that has transitioned from an explorer to a producer. They've obviously uh, become profitable. Just worth highlighting, though, that much of the share price appreciation today could well have come from the fact that shorters are covering because the company has reaffirmed its full year 24 production guidance. So I have a hold from both Claude and Luke on the stock of the day. Now let's zip through and summarize the first five stocks. So Cirrus Networks, basically we have a hold from both of our guests on that one. Uh, looking basically, um, I'm just trying to remember, takeover target, that is right, this is a takeover target. So Claude has taken some profits on this one, just a little bit off the top and probably a good move, says Luke. But basically sit in there and hold it because there could be a little bit more corporate action. Turning to TPC, well, this is a really interesting one because we have a speculative buy, actually a jockey bet from a Claude. And basically we're talking about an energy retailer here that provides energy to business businesses. So it is a business that margins can do come under pressure or do very well. And Luke just makes the point that last year was a great year. This year mightn't be quite as strong. So he has a hold, but possibly a jockey buy as well. Abacus Group. Well, not a lot of love here. They have spun out the jewel in the crown being the profit at the, the storage side of the business. So you're being exposed to uh, office and retail, attractive eight, eight and a half percent yield. But Claude has a sell and uh, Luke really has a watch it closely hold on that one. Volpara and we have a speculative buy from both Claude and Luke on this one. Just worth noting that the company has been transitioning itself or rationalizing. The founder has moved on. He was looking to very much expand the product. The new CEO is constant concentrating on reducing gearing, focusing the business, bringing in more elephant clients and moving to a sustainable business model. And and a prophecy international. So Claude has a hold speculative buy on it. He just makes the point that it's quite hard to understand the two uh, software offerings that we have, have in here. But Luke actually holds it and feels that the company as it transitions towards recurring revenue will continue to do better, but will also be looking to see uh, 
that they, they can continue to grow this, this business model. And also it's looking to be EBITDA profitable in full year 24 and just makes the point that they are not expensive, expensive R&D. Okay, now the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update going into September. Paradigm Pharma went out, giving way to Challenger, which also received 1% trims from each of Altium and Paladin. And let's see how the portfolio is currently performing. And so far, the fund uh, is up this year, but I apologize because I haven't got the updated amount. Maybe we can get that for the end of the program. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Now moving to the next six stocks, uh, five stocks I should say, and we have a whisper. Xref, uh, Computer Medics, Dusk and Xanadu Mine. So Luke, I'm going to start with you on Whisper. Um, yeah, this has been a very, very disappointing business mm. and, and share price wise, but, but also operationally. Um, the main point I jotted down is the next couple of quarters is crucial for this business. Um, so as a bit of background, they do like a communications platform um, and, and help enterprise customers sort of manage their communications via email, SMS, all sorts of you know different different methods um, and it had a, a, a booming sort of 2020 and, and 2021 um, and it wasn't until later on when the company disclosed that a big chunk of that growth came from um, COVID messaging so when we were getting our COVID tests and oh, you get, yeah. your, get your text message a few days later that was powered by Whisper um, and you know on, on the Back of that growth, which I think management should have been more aware of, was you know likely to be transitory or, or certainly wasn't sustainable. Um, they tried to make a push into the US, really ramped up their their sales and marketing and growth, and it all sort of collapsed pretty quickly. Um, they embarked on some very aggressive cost cutting. Um, they've got their sort of quarterly cash outflow to about a one million dollar outflow. Um, which is still a decent amount, but compared to the start of the year, that was $9 million per quarter. Um, when I read the commentary from management, it sort of suggests that that cost cutting's finished. So to, to get through that inflection point of sustainability, we now need that top line to come back, which that's where I sort of sit on the sidelines and say, I really need to wait and see that to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I think if you're there, you've worn a lot of pain. There's been a lot of hard work to obviously right-size the cost base and get them pretty close to that break-even, not quite, but pretty close. Um, so I, I probably would hold it if you're there. If you're like me, though, you don't own the stock, it's you know potentially interesting in that micro-cap software space, um, sit on the sidelines, just watch. You know, okay. Give them a couple of quarters, wait to see whether that growth comes back, wait to see whether they can sort of pick up that little extra bit they need to, to get through the inflection point. Um, but yeah, you know, when I say it's, it's disappointing in the context of what I said about prophecy before around 20 million revenue, to me, that's a number where you should start to see, that's yeah, a good revenue base and you should start to see profitability and scale. These guys have $55 million revenue. So they should like, be doing better. To me, you should be able to, to earn a profit. There's 20 something million dollars in sales and marketing. That could probably be cut in half, to be honest, mm. um, especially considering that they're struggling for growth already. So I'm on the sidelines. You, you really need to see them get through to that sustainability on, on cash flow first. Fair enough. And what about you, Claude? 
Uh, yeah, so this is another one I followed a, a small a small cap. I think that uh, Luke covered a lot. I was a, I was on a lot of that journey. So back in May 2020, I wrote an article why it was one of my largest holdings. I bought it on a simple thesis that its demand for its services would soar with the pandemic or lockdowns. They were doing a lot of the their software was running a lot of the messaging for COVID testing and all those protocols, the backs and forth, and the fact you had to isolate and answer questionnaires and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so that was a pretty simple thesis. Uh, I then wrote in May 2020 why I plan to take profits on Whisper by August 2020. That was um, when after August, there was uh, a lot of shares coming out of escrow. So insiders were in a position to uh, sell. Uh, and then, of course, by April 2021, I wrote an article on selling Whisper, which is uh, anyone who owns the stock should definitely read, read it um, more recently. Uh, look, the reason I bothered to say about selling it and all that is because I'd previously been like, I like this, but, you know, I, so I sold it at a profit, but I just wanted to say, you know, this is definitely not an investable company in my worldview. Um, I've most recently, as uh, recently as October last year, 2022, I wrote why Whisper will probably raise capital again. That was when the share price was 70 cents. It's 30 cents now. Um, Worse than raising capital, would you believe it? They've actually decided to take on debt where they like pay, I think, 12% interest plus Oof. have to issue options, blah, blah, blah. So like this is red flag town. I don't even know if I could even more clearly say, like, I've, I've had people attack me saying I was being unfair to Whisper when I wrote on selling Whisper at 232. Like this, the, the wheels have fallen off this thing. It's not, it hasn't been growing. They've been saying... Yeah, now they're taking on debt to fund their losses. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, this is not growth investing. So, um, mm. a little harsher than Luke on Whisper in my book. It's just like it's not a buy, hold, or sell. It's just outside the circle of what's investable as a, as a for me. So yeah. it has to be sell. But like, it might go up or down. I have no idea. It's just a high risk spec stock now. Interesting. I'd be curious to know who's lending them money at 12% because uh, there's a lot of action in private credit markets at the moment. Mm. So uh, certainly oh, piques my I've interest. I've got that right here. It's, it's River, Riverfort Global Opportunities uh, yeah. or Riverfort Global Capital. So it's mm. a convertible note funding facility of uh, 7.5 million. Uh, there's a full, you can find the full details, but okay. you know, basically it's 12% per annum. Okay. Plus they get Claude, sorry, I'm going to cut you off because I just looked at the time and realised we're going to have to move and shake it. So thank you, Madeline, for Whisper. So the seventh stock is XREF, uh, ticker code XF1, picked by Akshay. Um, I actually own this one. Um, I'll be critical though and say it's actually very similar to Whisper. Not as bad, um, but you know, they had a, a very strong um, sort of COVID period. These guys are in the um, HR reference checking sort of space. So when there was the great resignation and everyone was changing jobs through COVID, they, they did quite well. Um, as that revenue has slowed or flattened out, um, similar to Whisper, they're relying on that revenue growth to come back um, to, to sort of um, pick up the costs. And my criticism of the business, I, I own it, but still critical, is you know in those situations where the the core business is struggling for growth, I, I always love to see management be more conservative and look to right size their cost base for what's yeah. there today, rather than try and regain the lost the lost growth that hasn't come through. So, um, I own a position. Um, I actually reduced it though to about half of what it previously was. Um, so for the program, it's 
somewhere in that sort of um, answer, Danny. So maybe not a full sell, but but you know, it's it's now a much more speculative position than what it was only sort of six twelve months ago. Yeah. Um, and my my other note as well is similar to Whisper. The next couple of quarters is very crucial because when you're relying on growth to come back to mm. to, to bridge that gap, um, it's a it's potentially a tough environment for that to happen. So if you're on the sidelines, I'd stay there. Just just watch those next few quarters. Can they get that growth to come back? And if they can, then you know you, you're probably able to come back in probably around these prices because the market's often slow. Um, if you're there like me, you know, it's one that you you probably hold or, or maybe as I did reduce a little bit of the exposure. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a tricky one when these businesses try to, 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 to capture the growth rather than right-sizing the cost base. Mm, indeed, particularly in this environment. Mm. Claude, what are you thinking? Uh, for me, it's not one that I um, that I'm backing or would hold on to. There's a great article for anyone who owns shares called uh, "Xref Chairman and CEO Add to Holdings Ahead of Good News" by Miriam Robin back from 2021 on the in the AFR. Uh, there's look basically at the end of the day, I don't really want to be part of this company. I just think that it maybe has some prospects. It's it's an okay business, but I've looked at it a lot over the years and really it's fallen way short of what I thought it could achieve five years ago and uh, I just don't want to own shares in it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the eighth stock, a Compumedics, a ticker code CMP, picked by a Liam. So Luke on this one. Um, another one that I own and I, like Prophecy, have a, a blog on the website. So given we're short on time, I encourage people to have a read of that. Um, it's a medical device company focused on brain and sleep diagnostics. Mm. Um, and they've actually got a nice little niche business in that space. Now the problem is, because it is niche, they've struggled for growth, um, you know, probably over the last decade or so. Um, and the market's probably got bored or ignored in that time. Um, and also every time they've tried to branch out into some emerging growth segments, they've struggled, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, the core business is remarkably steady and profitable. Um, why I own it though, and, and what I find interesting about it is, for the first time in a very long time, those emerging segments actually look quite interesting. Um, there's a cloud-based sleep clinic software called Nexus 360. It's now up to three million in recurring revenue. Um, they've got a, a sleep diagnostics product called SomFit, which is, you know, rather than having to strap wires all over your body for the sleep testing, it's literally just a, a dot on your forehead and a um, strap around your chest. Um, and that's getting you know some some uh, contracts here in Australia where they've already got approvals, trying to get FDA approval over in the US. Um, and yeah, so for the first time in a long time, they're actually seeing some real traction with mm. these emerging products. And I think given the profitability of that core segment, if these products can come in over the top and be that next mm. leg of growth, and they've been stuck between that sort of 35 to 45 mil revenue for a decade, like I said, if it can just be that leg up to 50, 60 mil revenue, I think this business could do quite well. Um, it's majority owned by the, the founder. I think they've got some really good technology in those niches and it's just about finding a way to take that technology and commercialize yeah. it in some more exciting ways. So like I said, I own a, a small position, um, but one that I, I think could do well and there's a, a blog on the website for people who want a bit more information. So I'll hold and watch and see how it um, goes? I probably would hold it here. Um, um, you know, they've got some pretty lofty guidance for FY25. Mm. Um, maybe just wait for the AGM in a few weeks. I think okay. you'll get you'll get an update on where they think they, they're, they're running against that. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I, I haven't really, I, I bought it 
uh, middle of last year and sort of held it since then. So yeah, I think it's a hold and just, just keep an eye on if they're, if they're run rating toward that guidance, I think you could do quite well from here. Okay, and Claude, what do you think? Well, I didn't expect to be probably a little bit more positive than Luke on, on Compumetics, but look, I just look at the second half and I don't want to repeat what he says because I agree with, mostly with it, but if you look at the second half, the first half was a was a write down, which caused the uh, bad overall result. But the second half, I think, it was about one one million dollar profit, one point one million dollar profit. Talking about a thirty two, I think, million dollar company. So if that second half is any guide to their ongoing profitability, it's quite a reasonable price right now. So I would actually, again, it's not one that I own. It's a micro, it's a micro cap, high risk kind of stuff. But I'd put it in the same basket, I guess, as maybe that TPC one we were talking about earlier. In, mm. in fact, it might be a small, interesting microcap buy, um, speculative. I don't have it myself though. Um, just because, you know, they are the spicy little high risk end of your portfolio stuff because you can get trapped in them. But overall, I think the setup looks quite decent. Okay, fair enough. And uh, let's turn to the ninth stock, Pick by George Dusk, ticker code DSK. Now, of course, this was a uh, COVID winner but of course i think everyone stopped buying candles probably everyone has enough candles we all rushed to buy candles <laughs> in, in the pandemic we were stuck at home realized we all smelled bad um yeah this is this is a tough one like i i sort of I, I watched it a little bit on that run up and it's sort of fallen off my radar and i hadn't really come back to the stock and looked at it so um, comes up as a suggestion today and again sitting on the train open it up um the results were pretty ugly like revenue was flat for this business but profits were down 38 percent and you know it goes to show the difficulties that retailers have and, and it makes you have an appreciation for guys like JB Hi-Fi mm. and Premier and, and mobs like that who have actually done quite well over the last year or so. Um, but yeah, so so revenue flat, but that cost of doing business mm. with wage pressures and um, you know additional uh, inflation to the to the cost side. Um, so the big question obviously is okay, revenue was flat, profits down thirty eight percent, but what happens if revenue goes backwards, which <laughs> They're down, you know, sales are down 16% yeah. through the start of FY24. It can get pretty grim, can't it? So the market has clearly, look at the chart there, the market has clearly just put this one to the sideline and said, this is probably in the too hard basket. And I actually agree. I think retail is a basket for stocks like Dusk, Adairs, um, who else? Baby Bunting, maybe. There's a few that have been really beaten down. There'll be opportunities, no doubt. Like there'll be stocks to own at the right price, uh, the right time, right price. Um, again, it comes back to my commentary on Abacus. I, I want to be a contrarian, but I just, I really struggle because you saw what the result was like while revenue was flat and you shudder to think, well, what does it look like when mm. sales are down 16%? Mm. Can they control those costs and stop that, that negative leverage really coming through? So um, again, I think if you're there, you probably hold it. You've suffered a lot of pain. If you're not, wait for the AGM. We'll get an AGM mm -hmm. update. Let's see what those sales are doing. If they've started to turn around from the start of the mm -hmm. year, maybe you could look at it. But yeah, this is it, it, it's going to be a, a really interesting period for retailers mm. over the, probably the next FY24. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, Claude? Uh, yeah, I'll just still put in the heart too high bars. Mm. It was a it was a bubble stock. Uh, it was part of the, um, you know, Australia's version of the Reddit crowd uh, kicked it up. It was amazing. Um, people in Spain were buying the stock, I think, you know, or, or at really? least writing about it. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's a supporters only article I covered this story. It's very, it's very uh, crazy situation. Sociologically, the CEO was selling <sighs> into all that hype. Okay. Um, and so I just yeah. say, forget about it. Okay. It was Sorry. unprofitable in the second half as okay. well. Okay. Mm. Right. Well, we're going to go now to Xanadu, the 10th stock, Xanadu Mines. We've got a couple of minutes. Luke, in Xanadu, did we go? Did Kubla Khan off to Mongolia on this one into the Gobi Desert? Yeah. I have a feeling an avoid's coming. Ah, I think so. <laughs> copper explorer in Mongolia. Um, the market's been very excited about copper and it continues to defy everybody, like the, not only the commodity price, but the, the explorers uh, and producers as well. Um, I did have a look for Connor. Like, there's a 50 50 JV with a Chinese mining company. Xanadu says that it de risks the funding required to get this um, project up to production. Mm. The question I ask, which on short notice is hard for me to answer, but how much economic value do they then capture mm. out of that JV? And whenever we talk about you know, Australian businesses trying to operate in China or, you know, with Chinese companies, my my red flags go up pretty quick. And more often than not, the economic value generally goes to the Chinese. So <laughs> this is one that I would I would avoid. And, you know, if you look in that copper space, I don't have any ideas, but I'd, I'd look elsewhere. Yeah, well, indeed, I think there's always Rio. Um, so, Claude. Yeah, look, I'd work on the basis that in the long term, the, the Xanadu mine stock is, is worth zero, in my opinion. Um, but you can always look up what what happened to AVZ Minerals. Uh, basically, very optimistic to assume Australian Australian guys are going to be end up getting the profits from Mongolia, situated there between Russia and China. Fair enough. Mm. Okay, now let's quickly crack through these because uh, we did start a bit late today. So Whisper, I have a sell from Claude and I have sort of a, a hold but uh, from Luke, but basically disappointing results. Obviously, they were a beneficiary of the pandemic, but really struggling to get profitability going there. Uh, XREF, well, we have a buy on that one from Claude. And, uh, oh, no, no. Oh, sorry. Yes. Sorry if there was a mistake there. Oh, uh, no, definitely, I wouldn't hold that. I, I would, oh, I'd sorry. What did I in. write that down for? I've got a hold. No, you're in a void, are you? Yeah, yeah. Apologies, of course. It's sorry a, about that. Sorry. Yep, avoid apologies. Whereas, Luke, you hold this. It's a similar story to uh, Whisper, basically, mm. but basically a speculative sort of hold, but wait it out, sit on the sidelines. Yep. Okay, now let's move on to CompuMedics. And Claude has a buy on that one, pretty much in the same basket as TPC. And uh, in terms of Luke, he has a hold on that one. Um, just saying that uh, basically, it's, uh, oh, that's right, sleep clinics. They've got all these great new products coming on board, but they've still got to get the runs on board for that one. Okay, Dusk, I'm just going to say both guests really have an avoid on this one. It was a bubble stock out of the pandemic with a lot of pull through of earnings. And uh, having a look in terms of Xanadu for Tom, well, basically just concerned joint venture with the Chinese and probably shareholders are not going to come out the best on that one. So 
and avoid, and avoid from our guests on that one as well. Now, just a quick uh, reminder that the portfolio performance is actually up 10% since it was initiated, but that is all for the call today. But any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet to us at osbiztv. But uh, thank you all for joining us, but do stick around because The Pulse is coming up next. 